This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. to the Huskies Warming House Podcast, episode 196 here in the den. Nick Maxson alongside myself, Noah Grant, for another week of Huskies hockey. And boy, it was an interesting one. Uh, I guess if you want to be somewhat technical about it, I, I believe, um, unless we're going back to non-conference schedule, which I'd have to look back, I think this might be the first time that technically the Huskies have been swept on both sides of the coin this season. I think so. Um, unless it may be an early matchup against Ohio State on the women's side. But nonetheless, um, an interesting one. There's a lot more to dive in than just that that headline, so to speak. But, um, yeah, interesting week, interesting uh turn of events here uh, as both teams are trying to kind of recuperate and gain some traction heading into the month of February. Nick, before we get to that, uh, it's been a busy week personally for both of us. Of course, yeah. both of us calling a lot of hockey games this weekend and and a lot of crazy events going on as well, too. Uh, first of all, how are we doing? I know you told me pre-show that uh, you're, <laughs> you're pretty tired. I, I kind of feel that, too. We're getting into yeah. the dog days of all the hockey seasons, and I always feel like as fun as the game is, when you hit February and March, you just you're praying for playoff time at this point. It's interesting, right? Because you, you, what after April when the national championships are, you know, you go from 100 miles an hour to hitting a brick wall to zero. Yeah, and then you kind of recover for a couple of weeks, and then you're like, you're looking forward to October, looking forward to September, and then you go from zero to 100, right, just overnight, and like a player on the ice right now i think you know we've we've we're, we've been caught in our own defensive zone for about 60 seconds um yeah. we've tried to get the puck off the glass a couple times it's been gloved down at the blue line and held in <laughs> um so we're looking to relieve pressure but um yeah i mean we, we would definitely not want it any other way but yeah we're, we're definitely ready for a line change that's for sure yeah it certainly gets busy and uh, a lot of hockey to talk about and a lot of really uh really fun things to talk about around the college hockey world uh we'll get to this in just a moment but we'll actually start today's show on the men's side of things and then work our way towards the women's slate as well so a bit of a switch up uh just to keep things fresh here on the huskies warming house podcast for episode 196 uh presented centerized view news and notes brought to you by huskiesillustrated.com and the soda pod 
Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Episode 196, Noah Grant, myself, alongside Nick Maxson, at Nick Maxson PXP on, uh, I was going to say Twitter, I suppose it's X or whatever Elon Musk is trying to lose money for uh, this current point in time. But uh, speaking (laughs) speaking of losing, unfortunately, our men's hockey team couldn't solve an Omaha group. We talked about that, a team that is sitting in seventh place in the NCHC. Uh, Nick, it really does not matter. Um, This Mavs team has played a couple of really close games uh, on both sides of the coin that they've found some victories, other games that they haven't. But they are a tough out any night of the week, and I think they displayed it. Uh, Even if you go to the 8th place team right now in Miami, giving a good fight against Duluth in that 6th spot there, NCHC is doing NCHC things. I think that's, we'll get to the standings, but it's... It was it was a pretty high flying weekend. I of course you were in attendance for you were doing the women's games. Did you get a chance to stay and check out one of the men's games? I didn't. Um, you know, we talked about the per, you know the busy personal schedule and mm-hmm. uh, you know not only did I do the women's game on Friday, um, I was also I also did a sit down with Idolsky, did a feature for Big Ten Network Plus. So that occupied a lot of my free time. Um, yeah, to say it again, I was I was gassed. Um, I did catch it a little bit at home on Friday, but uh, was to say that I was definitely ready to uh, to relax a little bit, you know, at home and and taking the game. And um, it was interesting. I know we'll break it down, but I think um, as you and I have talked about it, for whatever reason, this Omaha squad just seems to find a way against the Huskies. Um, I was yeah. nervous about this weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, um, as we will break it down, um, our fears turn out to be somewhat vindicated. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, certainly would agree. Also, Hockey Day Minnesota festivities always adding a, a fun little wrench into things as well. And, uh, you know, it, it feels like you blink after the start of the season. All of a sudden, we're at Hockey Day in Minnesota, and you realize we truly are in the second half of the season. Uh, another great year uh, for that event as well, and, and a lot of uh, great things to come out of it. I thought, like, the women's high school game yesterday was really good, and just a, a lot of great hockey. Unfortunately, the Wild, uh, an uncharacteristic loss for them yesterday against Anaheim. So, um you know. Well, depends on what do you define uncharacteristic because yeah. they won two, three, three period leads. Um, so I don't know. You know, is it fair to say it's uncharacteristic at this point, Noah? I don't know. Yeah. They're um, not. They're not a good hockey team this year. Like, no. Um, the uh, the injuries haven't helped. Um, Brock Faber has been one way to prevent this from being a total landslide, especially in the defensive end. Granted, he's not been perfect, right? Um, but offensively they've been hit or miss defensively they've been catastrophic at best uh, the goal team has been very inconsistent so it's it's been a year right and and Noah this it's it's honest you know real quick right and I know we yeah. don't want to go too much on a tangent but the fact that the wild have gotten to this far through the cap buyouts of Parise and Suter and are really for the first time and there's only one year left of it are feeling the brunt of it is still kind of insane to begin with. Yeah. I think we all sort of figured at some point that it would catch up with them. I'm not sure because the roster isn't really that much different from last year. If it really is that, but you do wonder um, just 
what they have not been able to do with that roster, right? We know have were they able to maximize their players? Probably. Well, they they would have hung on a Kevin Fiala, which would have been yeah, right, Major Bruce. How about the fact though? By the way, you mentioned Brock Faber. How about the fact that he's on pace to have the same point production as the aforementioned Ryan Suter as a rookie in the National Hockey League as a defensive-minded defenseman? Not that he wasn't good at the University of Minnesota, but, I mean, you didn't even circle him on the lineup card necessarily with the Gophers. I mean, he good hockey player, no doubt, but it wasn't like he was this otherworldly Kale McCarr-esque threat offensively. Um, boy, no, it's, it's, it's you been know, good. <laughs> It's, you know, the topic of him was he's a great leader. You know, he thinks the game well. He's a great skater, um, takes care of his own end. And those are all great things, right, especially for a young player. But coming to the NHL level, right, you're always, you know, curious as to how they transition to the program. The speed is different. The decision making is different. Again, he's made his fair share of mistakes. And you can tell, you know, he he's out there and he the emotional you know, impact of him on this game, right? You can see it in his in his emotions on, on the bench, especially when things don't go maybe the way he'd like to. But I think he, he looks like he's freed up a little bit more offensively, again, yeah. running now the top power play unit. He's becoming a very well-rounded player very early in his career. And if this is only a sign of things to come, I think Minnesota, you could argue, going back to the Kevin Fiala trade, I hate I hate the proposition that which team won the trade. I think it's possible both teams benefited. And I think here LA got, you know, their dynamic for they were looking for. Minnesota maybe overlooking in terms of the fan base what their return was going to be in Brock Faber. And holy cow. Again, I mentioned it before. Where would this team be if they did not have the caliber player in Brock Faber yeah. with all the injuries, with all the defensive struggles they've had? we would have been looking at probably a worse result in the win-loss column for the Wild had it not been for Faber in the back end. Yeah, them in Chicago would uh, be dueling it out for the tankathon, so to speak. Also, Marco yeah. Rossi, great jump for him, by the way, yes. uh, in his first true full season uh, at that level. But speaking of Brock Faber's Gophers, by the way, real quick before we get to NCHC scores on the national level, how about this one on Friday night, by the way? This was a bit of yeah. a painful one if you were a Gophers yep. fan. Up to nothing after the second, uh, outshooting your opponent by a margin of 22 to 13. Well, 17 8 for uh, the Spartans in period number three, who came back from 2 nothing down and uh, the game winner with four seconds left. Former Duluth Bulldog Isaac Howard tallying the assist on Daniel Russell's eighth of the season. Yeah. Look at the time, too. 1950, yeah. four seconds left. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, not good. So if you wanted a national score, I know we can sometimes miss those just a little bit. Uh, well, there she be <laughs> as a painful yep. one. They responded well on Friday with a with a big victory against the Spartans, who are red hot. They're a good hockey team this year. So um, just something to kind of keep an eye on as well uh, in, in the national scope, as I thought that score was interesting enough, at least to pull out. In the NCHC side of things here, though, Nick, uh, why don't we start with our first night uh, and starting off with a team, Nick, we have been so high on. Mm-hmm. Both nights, 2-1 victories Friday and Saturday, Colorado College, both of them in overtime. Apparently, the extra session uh, is the way of the land for the Tigers. But nonetheless, yeah. this team helping out the Huskies pairwise, we'll talk about that. But this Tigers team is red hot. To, you know, I wouldn't want to be a team that faces the Tigers this upcoming weekend. Oh, wait. Uh, who do the Huskies oh, have? Oh, wait. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Noah, this is exactly what Chris Mayotte talked about last year, right? And that is they felt like they were in games but just could not find the W, right? They got 
things going around this time last year, but that felt like leading up to this point last season that they left points on the table, right? Um, going back to probably what, December-ish? Yeah. Uh, maybe even late November now through, they've been on the other side. They found ways to win in different ways. And uh, Western Michigan, too, um, has kind of had a little bit of fall from grace. Not to yep. say that the teams that are beating them aren't good because they are, but CC putting it together here, third season of Chris Mayotte, um, you love to see it, honestly, because again, that program has been, you know, needing of a turnaround for quite some time, and we're seeing it. And my goodness, they may be the most scary team in the NCHC right now. Yeah, would absolutely agree. Although uh, this North Dakota team is pretty good too. Uh, speaking yeah. <laughs> speaking of them, how about this five two and four two victories? You know. To be fair, if you're a Huskies fan, we knew that the Fighting Hawks were going to be good. I'm okay with this, actually. I'm okay with North Dakota getting the job done because it kind of keeps Denver off your heels a little bit. And I know that, you know, things might get crazy, but being in that one or two spot, I think, is just such a big difference between being uh, three through six in that kind of mix in the middle where it's anybody's guess as to who you're going to get a pair of victories for the Fighting Hawks. And then six, two on the first night and a much closer one, three, two and over time Miami gets an extra point in the loss up at Amsoil and Duluth a good shoulder showing for uh, both squads the Bulldogs getting some traction and the Red Hawks I thought responded very well in that second night uh, as far as their particular concerns there so yeah all in all really good hockey uh, I thought over the course of the weekend, the NCHC continues to surprise <laughs> as we as we go. It normally does. Yeah, <laughs> as, as we go out through this year. And I think that uh, we'll get to the Huskies games, of course, in just a second. But, you know, you look at the NCHC standings. North Dakota now is on top at 32 points for them. Uh, St. Cloud in second right now at 28 points. Denver, again, you talk about the big difference. You know, if Denver wins that hockey game, one of the hockey games, I guess I should say, um, they would be at 26 points, two points behind St. Cloud, and North Dakota would be one point ahead of St. Cloud. I mean, that's a tight three-horse race, at least at this point. St. Cloud still has a chance to buy some time, get some separation. Now, the caveat to this, Colorado College is now in a home spot at fourth place. They are. Uh, They're tied with Denver at 23 points. Should they have a very monster weekend against St. Cloud? First of all, Denver could inch closer in terms of getting one point ahead of the Huskies, as could Colorado College if both of them came in regulation. So we could see a very big shift in the NCHC over the course of the upcoming week. Western Michigan right behind in fifth at 22 points, one point shy. You talk about how big that weekend was for the Tigers, literally vaulting their opponent into a home playoff spot. The Bulldogs, they are in the mix. uh, They are. As much as we thought they might not be, they're at 20 points uh, for the Duluth Bulldogs and then Omaha with their victories against the Huskies now at 15 just have not gotten the bounces but still if they have a hot second half month of February so to speak things could get interesting Miami now at five points garnering the extra attention for the Bulldogs yesterday but uh Nick this is uh uh, an interesting race to say the least. I don't know that we've ever really been particularly close from our NCHC predictions to what actually happens, but that's kind of the beauty of the conference right now is that, you know what? A, a 17th, seventh seed can come and play at the time, the number one seed in the NCHC, push them in a number two spot and make things real interesting. That's been the hallmark of this conference for a long time, right? It is the parody. Now, granted, it's 
seven out of the eight. You know, you know, I hate to exclude Miami from that, but it, it's been a while for them. I know we've talked about that you know, yep. ad nauseum for a while. Um, but they showed some good things also against Duluth this weekend. Um, so, but obviously work to be done. But to your point, right, that's the thing about this conference. Anybody can go into anybody's barn and win any night, right? You just yep. cannot take anybody lightly. Miami beat Western Michigan earlier this year, right? Um, so it, it's it, it makes this time of the year that much more interesting and that much more fun to cover, right? Um, I know Huskies fans um, are probably losing their minds that they're losing the Penrose regular season. We're not putting a banner up for that anyway, so calm down, people, number one. Uh, number two, North Dakota, Denver, I would think, we're both comfortable saying that they're better hockey teams right this second than we're saying cloud is. Um, this is very similar-esque to last season where St. Cloud hit a rough patch. The big difference is it's not injury-related. Yeah. So, But the same question remains, right? How can St. Cloud figure out to right the ship to get these wins in regulation to not drop yeah. some of these? The good news is they're taking these to extra sessions, so they're not coming away with nothing Noah which is the positive thing unfortunately Huskies are leaving some points on the table and that's going to have to be rectified here in the next couple of weeks as we head closer to March and the NCHU playoffs which are coming up in about g six weeks yeah of course uh, you've got the shootout wins coming out of the holiday break so to speak but that's all the huskies have had essentially uh if you want to be technical about it pairwise wise the huskies uh Oh, three and three right now coming out of the holiday break in conference play. Uh, yeah, certainly something that you want to keep an eye on now. Friday night, I don't even know how to describe this. I, I, I think the, the best way is to, to maybe show this, which, of course, this is our switcher here. And this is all the logos we have for all the goals I had to synthesize because I didn't even have enough space. That's Friday night's game. This is Saturday, <laughs> Compar comparatively. So, I mean, Friday night's game was certainly a barn burner, to say the least. Um, and a game that I think the Huskies, um, you know, a lot of people talked about how they kind of, it, it, they end up kind of running that one down their leg a little bit. I, I would concur in some senses, but at the same time, this, this just is one of those when you get 13 goals in a hockey game and, and the final result is an overtime finish. It's just anyone's guess as to whether or not a goaltender can stop a beach ball at the end of the night, right? I mean, that's just exactly. kind of how these games go. Nonetheless, Huskies outshoot uh, Nebraska Omaha, who does end up winning this 1-7-6. The margin was 39-31, to 18-4 in the first for the Huskies. Um, 16-15 for UNO in the second period, 10-6 for the Mavs in period number three, and the lone shot of overtime did go to the Mavericks as well, and it, hey, well, it ended up in the back of the net. Both teams, uh, six infractions, 12 penalty minutes. Uh, Omaha, one for five on the man advantage. Huskies, two for five. Again, pretty much dead even in the spread, so to speak, if you want to be special teams technical about that. St. Cloud, again, abysmal in the faceoff dot. 26 wins, 34 losses. Puck possession, I've been told, is extremely important. But speaking of puck possession, St. Cloud put themselves in a really good spot early in this hockey game. You wouldn't think this one would end up 7-6. The only goal of period number one coming at the 16-19 mark. Adam Ingram, his sixth of the season, one of two goals that he would tally on the game from Tyson Gross and Dylan Anhorn. Anhorn with it, and he'll put it out to center. Huskies Woo. slipping ahead. Here's Ingram, two on one, developing. Ingram scores! Adam Ingram wires it home, and it's one nothing St. Cloud State. This shot, I, I didn't want to say it out loud. That play off of the board, that beautiful forehand, backhand pass that drew... 
Nick, just a strong area pass. It all starts with the breakout in the middle of the ice. Uh, yeah, I like that decision-making. Goal scorer's goal. I mean, good release. Uh, pretty good breakout, I would say, for the Huskies. And uh, yeah, again, you felt like maybe they should have got more than one in this first period just based on the shot margin, but you'll take a one nothing lead heading into the second. And uh, you talk about a goal scorer's goal, right? How about that shot 13 inches off the ice, just above the pad, right below the blocker side. Um, and you want a shooter like Ingram to be shooting the puck, right? Um, I thought the defenseman had that pass across well covered. And when you don't see that, you can see Ingram looked. He's focused back into the goaltender, picked a spot. Good hard release, picked a spot, one nothing Huskies. Yeah, well, you talked about a good release. How about him scoring again in the second period, his seventh of the season, Vieti Mietnin and Dylan Anhorn at the 534 mark on the power play. At the circle, feeds it across, shot the goal! What a pass! And an even better finish! This pass by Vitti. He's just waiting and we watch, we've watch. we seen him do that so many times this year, but he usually pulls the trigger. That time he waits. You know, the last time I checked though, Nick, uh, Vietti Mantin is supposed to be a goal scorer. I didn't know he could thread the needle like that. That was tape to tape through a couple of bodies. Uh, yeah, the picturesque. Uh, tape to tape and on the man advantage as well. Good special teams production. This is why Toronto saw him as a NHL draft pick is, yes, he can shoot the puck, but Sometimes his passing is even more spectacular. Um, and he's dangerous in that in that half-wing wall spot on the power play because as a goaltender and also as a defenseman, you have to respect his release. Um, but he can also thread the needle, as you mentioned. Uh, Adam Ingram could catch and shoot. Good quick release from him, and it's 2-0 Huskies on the power play. Yeah, just three minutes later, though, Jack Randall would create a turnover. Uh, excuse me, capitalize on a turnover that Nolan Sullivan created on the assist to get UNO within one. Now Sullivan, though, with it again. Centering pass, and they do score this time. And Omaha is right back in it at 2-1. to one. That pass, you know you've got that, that shortage down in the corner. You don't want to make that pass out. It was the original pass that ended up biting him on the backside. Nolan Sullivan, a good burst of speed, had that first shot on the breakaway, and right there, a nice effort. Yeah, I mean, that's not one you're going to yeah. like. It, it, Nick, no. I, you already know exactly what went wrong there. Tell the listeners at home. Well, if you go back to the video, not one, not two, but three sweaters along the wall, and you lose that puck battle one. Um, Adam Ingram, the forward, um, goes down, and I know that coaches will go back and forth on this, but once you leave your feet, you're kind of out of the question. So Sullivan makes one little stick handle around the skates. Weak side spot is wide open. Dominic Bassi is six foot five, six foot six, somewhere in that range. He's tall. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, even then, that's a that's a tough area to cover. Can't really fault him on that. Good turnover forced by Omaha. Good execution there to make him pay. Yeah, well, I, I hate to break it to you, Nick. Huskies, well, they do t end up taking the 3-1 lead about uh, three and a half minutes later. Zach Okambi's fifth from Werner Mietnin and Tynan Ewart. Oh, by the way, this is only goal number three of an eight-goal second period that gets the Huskies up by a two-spot. Find that out. They're out tomorrow, I bet. Here's Okambi in. Score!
yeah, a good release, good zone entry, flat drop pass. No mistake on that one. Don't think we really need to talk about that one too much. I mean, just no. good quick release on the stick, off the stick. Uh, but it didn't take long. Uh, UNO, two minutes after this one. Again, we talked about it, eight goals in period number two. At some point, you start to run out of minutes where there isn't anything happening, where a puck's crossing the right. goal line. So uh, it was a good response. Uh, Jimmy Glynn getting the Mavericks within one. Yes, he was wanting an icing call, but the official waved it off. Huskies will turn it over. High slot. Quick shot and a score. That is tough. A bad clear cost St. Cloud State. And right back. Good, sir. Yeah, this is a a rarity here for Jack Peart. Jack Peart sees his man in the middle. He did not see, however... That player from Omaha stepping in, really nice turn and shoot from Glenn. And here's where we kind of start to talk about the issue. This one's going to rear its ugly head again later on in this hockey game. This was a night to forget for number 23 defenseman Jack Peart. Uh, A pretty egregious turnover uh, to get UNO within one. You just, uh, the old adage, Nick, you can't go up the middle unless you're absolutely sure. You kind of flub a pass and just like that. I mean, you just can't have that kind of turnover. I mean, this is what the Huskies, no. this was kind of what bit him, you know, in the ass, so to speak, in this hockey game and allowed UNO to get back in this one. And it's and it's odd too, right? Because if if a opposing team's forecheck has the middle of the ice where that's what they're given and you practice it, Again, there's there's two parts of this, right? It's the sender, you know, Jack Peart. There's also the receiver too, right? It's got to be ready for it. Yep. Um, but here for Jack Peart, right? If it isn't there, again, you know, we talk about sometimes, you know, the safe play, right? Lob it up at least a center ice, get it off the glass. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, like you said, force it through the middle of the ice without a sure passing reception, this is what happens, right? It ends up in the back of your net. If it's not cleanly caught, it can get picked over. Uh, a little bit of moving screen there. Also kind of an unfortunate bounce. I think it hit a, a husky stick there. It deflects in the top of the net. But you're certainly not helping out yourself because you're not in your defensive structure. Not helping your goaltender there because he's partially screening the play. You're kind of reeling. Um, it's a recipe not for the good for the Huskies in that situation. Yeah, but it would be Ty Mueller, a tripping minor for the Mavs that would allow the Huskies to go back on the power play. Barrett Hall's fifth of the season. Mason Salquist, Werner Mietnin at the 16-45 mark. Back to the point. Peart. Werner Mietnin walks inside of the net. Quick shot. Scores! In the back of the net. Hall has got it. And again, the Huskies go up by Good puck movement, good execution, able to kind of threaten the middle of the ice down low uh, in the middle of the slot. It wasn't the primary shot that the Huskies were looking for in the slot, but again, the secondary opportunity, weak side, quote-unquote defenseman on the power play, able to capitalize in Barrett Hall. And yeah, I think we've learned this by now, Nick. Uh, When he gets the puck in a scoring area, he usually doesn't miss. Uh, And you thought St. Cloud, okay, that's got to be the scoring. They're finally, you know, in a good spot right now. 4-2. 4-2. Well, how about this? A pair of goals uh, at the 17-0 A mark, and then 14 seconds later, uh, UNO tallying their third and fourth goals of the game and tying this one right back up. Three minutes to go in the second period. Huskies with a pair of power play goals, but here comes Lutke, busting right in, goes to the net, and they score again! As soon as St. Cloud gets that two-goal lead, the Mavericks... ...how Omaha has been jumping on these opportunities and creating odd-man rushes. And here they come again, and they've tied the game! They have tied the game as snapping that one home was Slippick! 
Couple of turnovers, poor recognition in transition, blown coverage on the weak side, especially on that fourth game-tying goal. Uh, Nick, this is a this is actually something that bit both teams in this Friday night, but you've got to have your head on a swivel, and when you're losing puck battles, you can't get caught puck watching. You've got to find your assignments in the middle of the ice, and you can't turn pucks over in transition when you're trying to move one direction. Uh, two goals in 14 seconds, not exactly a recipe for success. No, and when you're, you know, tracking back to the middle of the ice, Noah, you know, I know that and, you know, as a younger player, you know, that you're trying to just backtrack to the middle that used to work kind of thing. But when you're puck watching, right, when you're at this level, yes, you track back through the middle of the ice, but you're not just reading the play. You're looking at where's the open man, right, especially on the weak side, Omaha twice off the rush in transition beat the Huskies because of missed assignments uh, one in a backdoor feed where uh, Bassey made the initial save but again nobody ties up loose puck in behind him and then again broken down coverage there wide open on the weak side for a nice shot that beats Bassey um, there's a theme here right and uh, that's the that's the disappointing part is the, these are types of mistakes that we don't normally see a Brett Larson led team make yeah um, and I, I think to have it happen back to back like that, when you know that that's probably a, a conversation piece on the bench, that's a little bit frustrating. Um, but we'll credit as the Huskies as we continue with more goals going the way. You know, the Huskies didn't roll over. They kept fighting and battling. And uh, we continue. Yeah. 90 seconds later, a minute and three left in the second period. Don't worry. This is the end of the scoring for the middle period. Mason Salquist, third of the season. Josh Lidke and Kyler Kupka tallying assists in what would be a combined 31 shot effort between two clubs that ends up with the Huskies leading 5-4 after 40 minutes of play. Finally have tied this up after being down all night long. Salquist though, fires and scores! <laughs> Mason Salquist uses the screen. This is, uh, look at this pass, straight across, just like Okabe. Pulls up, pass across to Salquist. Salquist freezes for a second, knows he's got Kyler Kupka driving the net. Again, we talked about it, coverage for both teams. Blown coverage on the weak side, that flat drop pass became the theme. Just like that, the Huskies still retain a one-goal lead heading into the locker room. Well, two minutes into period number three, they were actually down by one goals. 30 seconds apart exactly at the 112 and 142 mark. We have them both here together, and just like that, UNO on the other side of things makes it 6-5 in their favor. Here now, bobbles the puck, breakaway. Here's Jack Randall going all in, on his own, and scores! Slides it through the pads of Bassey, and once again... What is happening right there? You've got the most sure-footed, sure-handed defenseman, one of them in all of NCAA hockey. And Jack Randall, is that his second goal of the night? He scored that that backdoor goal that Nolan Sullivan fed him early on. Off the draw. Mavericks control. Long bomb to flex. It goes in. It hit the traffic out front. The shot from the high slot by Tyler. Tip. How many seconds was that one, Jim? We're going to have to do some math here. This kid up at the point, that shot, he's calling for the puck. Nothing you can really do on that last goal, so to speak. Um, No. You know, but the first one, again, we talked about it, Jack Peart, you've 
got to be able to make sure when you're the last man back that you keep the play in front of you. Again, you can mishandle pucks at any time, so it's not like he intentionally tried to do it while he was flat-footed. But, yeah, I mean, those are the things that, some, that can kind of make or break those sorts of things. Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, the, the go-ahead goal at that point, nothing you can really do. Shot from the point, goes off of a body, redirect in front. Um, but, yeah, St. Cloud, again, kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit in this one. Halfway through the period, though, Dylan Anhorn, his fourth of the season, Werner Mietnin, Mason Reiners, had us all knotted up and getting ready to head to overtime. Werner Mietnin across the line. Takes it wide. Now turns back. Anhorn is in the scores! It's all tied up! The Hobie Baker candidate has brought his team... Something I think St. Cloud needs to do a little bit more of, by the way, Nick. Obviously a cannon from the point, but... Uh, what uh, what did you see on that goal? And more specifically, what did uh, a certain netminder not be able to see because of it? <laughs> you know, on the rush play, right? You know, there's there's different ways that you can go about when you enter the zone. Uh, this time it was just a simple button hook there by Werner out to the point. But it's, again, we talk about plays away from the puck, right? It's more about what you do without the puck. And a couple Husky forwards, they drive right to the middle lane, uh, create some traffic in front, and Horn sees it. Again, putting the puck on net, goaltender never saw it, ends up in the back of the net. This game is tied. Well, unfortunately, it would be Dylan Anhorn, 14 seconds into overtime. It was an interference minor for him. Say what you want about that call, but nonetheless, the Huskies had a power play to kill. They couldn't get the job done. 39 seconds in, Tanner Lidke. His seventh of the season for the Mavs seals the deal in overtime. Four on three. Ludke feeds it back to the point. And there it is. Game winner. Tanner Ludke wins it. And St. Cloud State falls in as the Mavericks get themselves a huge three points. And St. Cloud State goes off to the locker room. I mean, no chance for a goaltender on that one through a screen, nope. essentially. You know, I I don't really even know how to feel about this game, Nick. Uh, obviously, we'll, we have much less scoring in the second game, so the second one will be quicker. That's That was a lot of hockey to get through, but uh, it's certainly not going to look good. Dominic Bassey, uh, unfortunately, stopping uh, 24 of 31, which is an interesting stat line, to say the least. But, yep. you know... Both teams had some pretty glaring mistakes in this hockey game. And I guess from a Huskies perspective, how do you characterize this loss as two teams making a lot of mistakes? But hey, we're playing the seventh team in the NCHC. Is that a testament to how well Omaha played? Did St. Cloud play down to Omaha's level? Wait, I mean, how would you kind of maybe characterize what, what this would be? Well, it wasn't a thumbs up like up that yeah. appeared on your screen. I'll put it to you I don't that know way. That, not sure where that, that came was from. all about, but uh, um, but uh, we're not we're I, not that happy on the Huskies. We'll no. this podcast. Um, I think there's a, a couple different ways you can look at it. Um, I don't necessarily think it was playing down to competition. I think the Huskies, just like Omaha, are a bit of in a desperate mode right now. I think, again, as you mentioned, 0-3 and 3 in conference play since the start of the holiday break. Um, those are not great numbers. Their only two wins were against Bemidji State. Those are non-conference. Mind you, those were must-have wins, and they're looking more like must-have wins as we continue on here as the, we enter February, which is the next time the Huskies will take the ice. But I, I think, ultimately, both teams may be a bit... 
how to characterize it. I think more than anything, Noah, is both teams maybe cheating a bit. Yeah. You know, when, when it comes to we, we're trying to come out on the right side of, of this contest and unfortunately maybe sacrificing a bit on the defensive end to try to maybe use their scoring ability to get ahead, which funny in Omaha, as we talked about before, not known for putting a lot of pucks in the net. Mm-hmm. But maybe they figured coming into this weekend, uh, St. Claude's goaltending defense may be a bit questionable. I think that's a fair statement. So maybe we can get into a track race. And if we do, we might have a chance, right? So I think it's a combination of mistakes and also maybe a bit of game planning um, on the side of Omaha. And unfortunately for St. Cloud, again, mistake laden. Again, it doesn't matter if you're the number eight team, Miami, the number one team, North Dakota. If you make those kind of mistakes that we saw there on film, I don't care who you're playing. You could be playing Stonehill. They're going to make you pay with those. Yeah, would agree. Much lower scoring on Saturday night. And this was a game that I thought St. Cloud probably maybe deserved to get a win, either in regulation or overtime. But nonetheless, uh, two very thrilling hockey games, all things considered. It was a good weekend of hockey, regardless of the results. This second one would be 2-1 Omaha in a shootout, officially a 1-1 tie as far as the pairwise is concerned. 16-6, the shots for the Huskies, another good start for them. Uh, And they would tally the lone goal of period number one. 9-6 9-6 was the margin for St. Cloud in the second. Same margin for the Mavs in period number three and dead even at ones in the overtime session for a 32-22 advantage. The Huskies outshoot their opponent by 10. Uh, the Mavs, though, their lone goal did come on the power play. One for three on the man advantage. St. Cloud only had one chance that they missed on. But, um, and I'm going to counter with a point we'll get to in just a few moments, a great goaltender's duel. And in the first period, just before the four-minute mark, Zach Okabe, his sixth of the season, he's scored in back-to-back weekends. Vieti Mietin and Josh Lidke telling assists in the lone Huskies goal of the hockey game. That would count. Zone, zone, gets a second chance. It does to Mietin, and he backhands it rink wide. Here's Okabe across the line. Fires the shot, and, and it goes through! It goes through, and Isley has no idea how it did! I mean, he was right on his angle. Good things happen when you put the pucks on that really nice breakout pass. Cross that red line. Okabe looks towards the middle. Seth doesn't bite on it, though. He's on his angle. He has just got it perfect. He's on top of the crease there. Look at that. Just sneaks underneath the, over his pad and underneath his blocker there is, I believe, where it went through. I'm not sure if it went straight through the wickets, but it just enough topspin on it. Yeah, I mean, you'll take him any way you can get him. Good things happen when you shoot the puck, as they mentioned, and uh, didn't even know that he had actually scored, and it just went over the line by about half an inch, but... Uh, again, that play all starts uh, with uh, Vietti Mietin and able to corral that play from Josh Lidke. And how about that seeing eye pass behind your back, no look, all the way across the ice to hit the weak side winger with speed on the tape, on his on hand. I mean, doesn't really get much better than that. So uh, from a St. Cloud perspective, I mean, he'll say not the prettiest goal <laughs> that we've seen. No, certainly. but, uh, you know, just better puck support too, especially yeah. in that initial sequence. Right. I, I think, you know, as we look at the score, right. I think uh, maybe defense was part of the conversation, you know, <laughs> after Friday night's game, maybe just a little bit. Um, how, how about James Gray getting his first NCAA start too? I thought he looked really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, granted, I think teams, you know, 
definitely saw the scoreboard and said, hey, we, you know, we, we can't keep playing like this. We got to maybe lock things down. But sometimes, again, shortening the ice, right? Just, you know, maybe more five to six foot passes, not, you know, 10 to 15 footers. Again, using the, the width of the ice there to spring Zach Okabe on the weak side. Um, and again, this nice opening up keeps the defender stick in the middle, shoots in between the feet. And again, no shot is a bad one on net. It leaks through the pads and Huskies take a one nothing lead. Yeah, it almost was 1-1. UNO had a goal disallowed for offside, and then the Huskies thought they made it 2-0. Also, another goal disallowed in the same spot for offside in the respective periods, first and second, respectively. Determined that the play was offside. We have no goal. Great call. Great call by the coaching staff to spot that. That was it. Yeah, that's good. great job by the coaches. I guarantee right yeah, right there you can see Ludke just a little bit offside. And After review, it was determined that the play was offside. We have no goal. So two goals taken back here tonight. The same spot, the <laughs> yes. same play. So two no, no goals. We play on... Uh, Nebraska-Omaha would also have uh, an opportunity as well where Gray made the save and it ended up being right on the goal line as well. Too too hard to tell from the replay if it did cross the line. So a pretty interesting hockey game. Our only other scoring of this one came in the second period, though. On the power play, Matt Miller's fourth of the 9.30 mark was the last regulation goal, and this one coming for the Mavs. Oh, no. Misfortune there is a shot deflects and ends up in the snout of this this play. The, the breakout they had every they had all five skaters at full speed. He's intending to hit Ludke on the back door that passes at Randall. He throws that puck across and it hits Cooper Wiley on a stick skate and just perfect in the low corner. Matt Miller gets credited for a goal there. I mean, if you want to be technical about it, the Huskies scored both goals in regulation. I mean, that's just yeah. an unfortunate bounce off off of the skate. Uh, offensively, it might even potentially be a kick. I have no idea. I mean, it, I mean, what do you do? I would have challenged it, but <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, you know, so this is the bad bounce that you would take in Friday's game, right? Because again, Huskies were in good defensive posture there. Again, you're following the the player traveling down the middle lane there. Uh, so you had that player covered. Again, just a bad bounce off a of skate. James Gray, maybe a bit late to react to it. Again, not much he can do about it. But nonetheless, sometimes you got to be lucky to be good, good to be lucky. And Omaha gets a lucky bouncer to tie it up at one. Yeah, and Omaha... Ty Mueller doing the job in the shootout. He was the first shooter, and he was the only one that was able to tally. Vietti Mietin and Kyler Kupka, Adam Ingram, not often all three of those guys not able to find the back of the net, but it was a great performance from the Mavs as they take the shootout victory. Al Gray facing his first ever shootout attempt. Going against Ty Mueller. Mueller moving in, and he scores. Uh Nice move by Mueller. Whole blocker. Here comes Adam Ingram. Needs to score here to keep it going. And Isley gets a piece of it. And Omaha gets the extra. Silky said amidst there on the lone goal in the shootout. Omaha gets the job done. St. Cloud actually does benefit, though, from the Western Michigan loss from their upcoming opponent, the CC Tigers. Western now down to 14. St. Cloud occupying that 13th spot. Michigan right ahead in 12. Uh, and 
Nick, this is the conversation that I kind of wanted to have here uh, as we wrap up the men's stuff. Is James Gray on the verge of maybe starting to potentially be the guy heading down the stretch if Dominic Bassey continues to not get defensive support? Bassey hasn't been bad, but he's been in that 905 to 910 territory and to his credit james gray has looked pretty decent this is a tough one to answer right noah because as we've talked about it in years past um sometimes goaltending statistics are team statistics right yeah but i do think it is something to be said because if you go back just a couple of years david reiner it was his creech yeah and they made no mistake about that right he played to where that that was his net. Um, no, granted, that sort of bit the Huskies a bit as he got injured at a very inopportune time. Jackson Castor goes in, um, hadn't seen the ice in a in a game setting in quite some time, and he was essentially thrown into a really tough situation, battled, unfortunately, unable to overcome Quinnipiac, who just the next year would go on to win the national championship. So they're a good hockey team. But you do get the sense, Noah, that Although I think a lot of the Husky nation out there is maybe pointing the finger at you know, at uh, Dominic Bassey. I'm not so sure it's all on him. But also what we're seeing with just Brett Larson continuing to rotate goaltenders, he isn't comfortable either. Yeah. You know, um, so you do wonder how much the coaching staff sees from the goaltenders. Obviously, they're way smarter than we are about that position. And you do sort of wonder now as we are going to turn the calendar to February here on Thursday, which is incredible to say. Yeah. Um, these decisions now and, and these sort of, if you're trying to figure out a position, especially a very important one in the goaltender, if you don't like what you see, you're going to start to keep rotating. And with Isaac yeah. Posh seemingly to be maybe injured, possibly we don't know what his status is. Right now, that's anybody's net. Yeah. So at, at the end of the day, if, if Dominic Bassey, if they felt like it was more to play in front of him, I don't think the Huskies will be necessarily rotating this late in the season as consistently as they have been. So we'll see. Um, I think some of it is on Bassey. However, I also know, as we saw on Friday, wasn't getting much help either. So I yeah. think it's a two-pronged approach. Um but sometimes you do need your goaltender to kind of settle your team down. I'm not sure we've seen that out of Dominic Bassey either. Yeah, and I, it'd be nice to have Isaac Posh healthy again as well, too, because he's looked really mm-hmm. good as well. You know, it's easier sometimes in a spot start, so to speak, or uh, in yeah. one or two game sample size to sometimes, you know, look strong versus Dominic Bassey has carried the mail through the majority of the season. It's just interesting question if James Gray or if Isaac Posh is healthy, if they're kind of maybe giving them a stronger look than maybe they would uh, in recent memory, so to speak. But the big challenge is St. Cloud, Coming up, by the way, they have, of course, the CC Tigers on the docket coming up this weekend. Uh, as far as other 
games going on around the NCHC for comparison, by the way, as we head into the month of February. North Dakota travels to Miami, so if you're trying to catch the Fighting Hawks, it doesn't get any easier. Um, and on the same thing, Omaha will also face Duluth, so we could see a big flip-flop at the 6-7 spot, potentially. Uh, and then Denver and Western Michigan, that'll be uh, a pretty primo matchup for the middle of the yeah. pack right there right now. So um, Broncos are going to be a desperate hockey team right now. We could see a very interesting swing in the NCAA Nick, I guess to kind of wrap up here, the Tigers, this is a bad time to be playing CC right now, especially yeah. especially on the road. Uh, what's the plan for the Huskies? Well, I think you have to replicate what you did on Saturday, right? I think you have to be a strong defensive team. I think you have to limit your mistakes and more so you yeah, just, I think, I'm not sure what the worry was or what the disconnect was on Friday. Um when you pot seven, six goals, I'm sorry, but you give up seven, that's not a winning formula, right? Yeah. So it's not a lack of offense. It's not a lack of production. You scored an even strength. You scored in the power play. But you certainly are almost concerningly shooting yourself in the foot with some of these mistakes, right? I think that's the, that's the more concerning part, no, is that it's not like you feel like you're overmatched or you know the the team that you're playing is you know suffocating you in your own defensive zone you just can't get it out and eventually you're just so tired that you eventually get scored on you know the huskies are making uncharacteristic mistakes on defensive zone coverages on simple breakout plays you almost get the sense that they're almost fighting a mental game a little bit um i think they just need to simplify honestly colorado college is playing a very similar style to where the Huskies in North Dakota is. They've got three defensemen that are freshmen that are offensive-minded, three of the top 15 goal scorers from the U show last year. Um, this team is pushing the pace. Colorado College skates fast. Um, Noah Lab is having a breakout year up front for Colorado College. Um, and they feel confident right now. And you got a very good goaltender in, in between the pipes and Caden and Barrico. So um, I think, to me, simplify the game. Again, we go back to the Werner um, yet and set up back up to Dylan Anhorn. I think that's how you have to play it off the rush. And more so, you have to get sustained zone time. If you can keep Colorado College out from playing in transition, playing north, and just sort of wear them down below the goal line, I think that's how you beat the Tigers, is you simply take their feet away from them. Um, easier said than done. But I'm curious to know what you think the Huskies should do um, as they go on the road to Ed Robeson Arena. Beautiful arena, by the way. Yeah, find some traction against an opponent that's been red hot, I think, is the the kicker. When St. Cloud has had success, they've had a strong Friday night game. And right now, that's kind of been few and far between since the month of January has started. St. Cloud just has to kind of find a way to get through a Friday night with a regulation victory, I would say, yeah. and feel a little bit better about themselves. Dylan Anhorn pacing the team right now. Good weekend for him, 23 points in the season. James Gray in his lone start, a 955 save percentage. Isaac Posh uh, was kind of more over who I should have been really been referencing if he continues to hopefully get back and being healthy. In his four games, he's got a 9-3-8 right now. Dominic Bassey with the absolute slog of Friday, an 8-9-7 for him right now. Also, you know, from a Huskies Warming House podcast perspective, no more 13 goal games. They're very hard to recap and they take a lot of time. Yep. So um, with that being said, we are going to move over to the women's side of things. Uh, no victories, no points, no extra session soirees. But boy, did they play the number one team in the country very close this weekend. A much better showing, I would say. Ohio State uh, grabbing a 4-2 uh, victory on that first evening. And, you know... Well, I guess before we get to that, let's 
not jump ahead of ourselves, taking a look at other scores around the WCHA. Wisconsin beating Duluth 2-1 in the first night, 5-4 in the second one. St. Cloud getting that help, helps. getting help. But boy, it, yeah, that's that Badgers team, uh, that matchup between the Badgers and the Dogs has always been a, a close one. Speaking of close games, Gophers 4-3 and 2-1 over Mankato. Good showing for the Mavs to and try to time. yeah yeah to, to try to try to make things interesting. And then Bemidji State uh, winning on Saturday 4-2. And I can't remember uh, who ended up getting the extra point between them on Friday, but it was St. Thomas that they matched up with and a 2-2 official tie in the pairwise finish on Friday. But uh with that being said, St. Cloud, of course, Nick, you were in attendance for these these games. A uh, great call, by the way, by yourself on Friday. I got a chance to listen to most of that hockey game, and it was very good. Uh, and it was a game that you didn't think that St. Cloud was maybe going to try to respond and get back in. Shots were 35-17 in favor of Ohio State. Um, they did not score on two power play opportunities. The Huskies were one for three on their chances, respectively, and pretty much 500 in the faceoff dot. But yeah. I mean, in the first period, though, it was a three-goal first period for the Buckeyes to put themselves in a really good spot and make it one, two, three, nothing. We'll roll through all three of those goals. As Kayla Barnes sneaking in from her defensive spot, turns and fires, scores! There's Hosworth. Hosworth surveying, cutting to the middle, a shot, rebound, loose, scores! to dig the puck out, and I do believe it's Bugioloni that tips it behind Showback, and it's three. Two times the Buckeyes create opportunities, turning out through a screen, essentially creating chances down low, and the third one comes from below the goal line, able to chip a puck towards the middle of the ice and redirect right on the doorstep, and that's what Ohio State's going to do. They're not going to be shy about getting to the dirty areas and getting towards the crease. No. Um, Nick, a very good first period for Ohio State to uh, what did you see there from uh, a team that pretty much asserted why they're the top team in the country? Uh, one, they came out and said, this is our game, yeah. right? And um, talked to Brian Idolsky after the game and, you know, very complimentary, obviously, number one team in the country. But you hit it on the head. This is a team that skates incredibly well, is super talented, super skilled. But they get to the dirty areas. Yeah. If you go back to the film and for all three of those goals, they had not one, but multiple red sweaters in front of the crease. So shots through traffic, um, the goaltenders have multiple things they're trying to, you know, figure out and try to decide what's the, what's the bigger threat. Um, and I think what hurt the Huskies is a bit of a slow start that first period that they came out and admitted that wasn't our best. They, they definitely were, um, shall we say in second gear when Ohio state came out in fourth. So that didn't help. And then, the Buckeye scoring 47 seconds into the game does yeah. not help either. Um, so I think right off, you know, the get-go, the Huskies kind of find themselves behind the eight ball a little bit. Now you get to the second and third, and we'll obviously discuss it. I think the Huskies finally settled down. Uh, the game slowed down a bit too, which favored them a little bit more. And yes, the ending score four two, and we'll talk about the rest of the goals here, but Huskies also hit a couple of posts in the yeah. third period. This could have easily been a four, four game um, and a much better remaining 40 minutes from the Huskies um, after the first 20. Yeah, shots 10-7 in the third in favor of the Buckeyes. Like you mentioned, St. Cloud finally started to settle in. In the third period, actually, was the rest of our scoring. Emma Gentry, 22 seconds into the final frame. Her sixth of the season, CeCe Bowlby and Alice Surreal tallying assists. Away, dragged to the middle, a shot! That stop rebound is loosely scored! 
strikes here early in the third, it's 3-1. You can see on the replay. Ends up going off of Gentry and a Buckeyes defender, but what do we talk about on the men's side of things, Nick, is when you have players coming in on the wide out, essentially, when you have that center laden drive, you float pucks towards the middle of the ice, anything can happen, good pucks on net. Again, I love the net, net front crashing mentality there that ends up getting the Huskies on the board. Emma Gentry is a gamer, man. Yeah. Um, and she was ready for this hockey game. Again, a lot of USA selects, uh, but I asked her about it after the game. Um, if you know she likes to play Ohio State because she seemed to be on a different level um, this weekend. And she goes, yeah, um, I'm super motivated. And Idolski would echo it. And he just said, you know, she feels like she's a similar caliber player and she wants to prove that she's on that same level. She did this weekend. Mind you, she does it every single weekend, in my humble opinion. But again, it's the simple things, right? You drive it. She's a, a big body, uh, gets to that weak side, gets inside position. And then again, Puck caroms off a pad, it maybe corrals off of a skate, it goes in. Huskies get one on the board. Yeah, but a good response from Ohio State. Kiara Zanin with an assist, her second of the night in this one. She had a four-point weekend for her last weekend. She was very good uh, throughout yep. the course uh, of both games and found McKenna Webster at the 550 mark to get the Buckeyes back in a comfortable lead. Threw off of a body, loose puck in the slot, and they score! and it's 4-1 Ohio State. See it right there, the puck in between a couple of Husky skates. Again, bit of a broken play, of course, in front of the net, but that's the phrase. In front of the net, uh, the Buckeyes doing a very good job getting to the crease. The Huskies would respond uh, less than a minute later, though, on the power play. Emma Gentry, her second of the night, seventh of the season. Clara Himmlerova and Katie Kaufman telling assists to end the scoring at 4-2 on the evening. Himmlerova. And Marova changes place to a Gentry. Gentry, a slap shot, scores! Great puck movie here by the Huskies and the big, strong, heavy shot. I mean, that's a cannon. Bullet. Yeah. Cannon of a shot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and I know Emma Gentry just absolutely loved when that puck went in the net. You could see her reaction um, beating a very good goaltender, by the way, um, in this hockey game. Um, that's one thing that I think, I know I stated on the broadcast that Ohio State don't think gets enough credit for. I mean, offensively, they're an absolute smoke show, but defensively, St. Cloud with Sonny Ohola and maybe team goals in number one, Ohio State's not that far behind at number two. So despite the fact that Ohio State has all the talent up front, they get the majority of the headlines. Yeah. Defensively, that team is also very, very solid. Two great goaltenders for them as well. Doesn't take, you know, an easy shot to beat him in Gentry again with an absolute laser beam on the good setup there from Himmlerova. Just a good, um, you know, flyby there at the top of the zone. You lay it back and it was right in the wheelhouse and Gentry made a mistake. Yeah, great, perfectly placed shot, mid-height glove side. And Reagan Kirk stopping 15 of 17 for the Buckeyes and Jojo Choback uh, ended up seeing 35 shots again. So a very busy night for her. Second night, Nick, was 3-2 was the final Buckeyes over St. Cloud. And this one, uh, again, like you said, St. Cloud probably deserved to at least get a point out of the weekend just based on the way they yep. played. They played very good on Saturday as well shots 36 to 20 in favor of the Buckeyes but it was 8-8 in period number one as uh, 
again, the Buckeyes failing to score on the power play this weekend. That's a great credit to the defensive structure for St. Cloud. 0 for 3 were the Buckeyes in this one. St. Cloud, two power play goals on the weekend. 1 for 3 in this one as well. Um, Nick, I know this may surprise you, but uh, the Huskies had a goal scorer to start this hockey game. Um, Happened to score a lot of goals this weekend. Emma Gentry, her eighth of the season, unassisted at the 10-22 mark of period number one. Got St. Cloud on the board in this one. And again, this is... <laughs> at, at some point, I think teams, for whatever reason, they just haven't figured out that maybe you need to cover Emma Gentry in these hockey games. But nonetheless, St. Cloud would take the early lead. We talked about just recently that make a huge impact for your team. An uncharacteristic turnover by Kayla Barnes and Gentry. Just a heads-up play by her. High in the slot, intercepts this pass. Great hand-eye coordination and beats Teeley on that. Although, uh, to be fair, it's hard to cover somebody when you send a puck in the air in the middle of the ice and they knock it down, create a turnover, and shoot glove side. I mean, that's not yeah. that's not great. <laughs> That's that's just a you know an individual effort. That's uh, you know good read there by Gentry again. Um, you know the defenseman does arguably everything right again. If you're going to go across the middle of the ice in your own zone, you got to have air under that knees that puck. Gentry Red has stepped up and what 99 times out of 100 that puck gets through right. Remember um, Gentry with great hand-eye coordination knocked it down and then doesn't dust it off right. Sometimes with. You know, good goal scorers, they're not trying to pick a corner. They're just trying to get it off their stick quickly. Emma Gentry does that. Amanda Thiel can't catch up with it. one nothing SCSU. Seven and a half minutes exactly, though, Kiara Zan. And we mentioned it, her prowess this weekend, four-point weekend, and her 11th goal of the season. Goal yesterday on JoJo Choback, and you can just see an errant turnover right there by Ella Anik, and nobody picks Zanin up. The Penn State transfer wide open in front of Sonia Holo. All starts with forcing a turnover, and again, you got three Buckeyes around the net once again. Uh, unfortunate uh, for Sonia Hola to try to make a save on that one. She saw 33 of 36 that came her way, and uh, yeah, right on the doorstep, five hole. That's a tough one that you try, yeah. to, try to corral. Freshman Carmen Bray, who joined the Huskies there after the holiday break, she was... From what I understand, it was scheduled not to join St. Cloud till next year. Um, you know, freshman mistake, you know, bobbles a puck, um, maybe a bit forced there. But again, that's what Ohio State does. Like they force you to make mistakes. And then because of their structure, they transition and they turn it to an offensive chance real quick. A couple of tip tap passes. It's right between the pads of a hola. And then there you go. Tie hockey game. Yeah, and it wouldn't stay tied for long. Only a minute, three seconds into the second period, the lone scoring of period number two, McKenna Webster, her sixth of the season, also a multi-goal weekend for her uh, in the two games against the Huskies. In favor of the Buckeyes. Well, McKenna Webster heads up play by her to get this puck over to Hadley Hartmetz, who just risks it toward the net. Big play by Webster, hand-eye coordination, tips this puck out of the air that just redirects right over the left shoulder of Sonia Hola. We yeah, no chance. A silky, no. silky redirect. That's on the side, of course, of Clara Himlerova, who is um, in a different position, of course, from what she's used to playing. Although, despite her previous playing experience, I mean, she 
has been a forward for the large majority of the Huskies' career. But again, beautiful redirect. Nothing you can really do through a screen there. Ends up going short side glove. Um, yeah, just goal scorers goal. That's what good teams do. Yeah. That, that's that's a that's a top caliber play. Um, but it won't be the last of the hand-eye coordination we're going to see in this hockey game. But before we get to that one, at the 13-minute mark exactly, Joy Dunn made it 3-1 in favor of the Buckeyes. And Sinkcloud again holds the Buckeyes off the board, but there's the centering pass and a goal just as the penalty expired. T- Who's in front of the net, right? And Ohio does such a good job of just having players cut to that net. And what a great feed by Kiara Zanin to, once again, nobody's taking Joy Dunn and that redirection on her forehand, no chance. So, Nick, we saw it on the overhead cam on the replay. Any idea where that goal was scored? Yeah. <laughs> One inch in front of the blue paint. <laughs> no, but quite literally. And then also what you saw, or maybe should I rephrase it, what you didn't see was a Husky defender tying up Joey Dunn there. Um, Got to credit again, Ohio State. One of the reasons why they're number one is obviously they're winning hockey games. That Mind you, they've only lost twice all year. Once to St. Cloud back in late December. And they played them well, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's these types of things that I think puts Ohio State on a different level. So, I know other than Wisconsin, other than Minnesota, is that although they have all of the talent in the world and they scored some talented goals we've seen at this weekend, but again, a lot of it, is just the grease pan goals. It's the Dave Shayak type goals, right? Um, that's a dangerous team to play against when you have the talent plus the grit and the and the willingness to get to those dirty areas and to get underneath the defensive side and just sit there and you know you're going to take a beating. The stick was flat on the ice. Good, strong bottom hand. Just a quick redirect and St. Cloud, again, off of a turnover or maybe even so just a quick dump in, quick pass below the goal line. People caught puck watching. It goes right back to the weak side. Again, quick, crisp puck movement, tape to tape, back in the net. Yeah, that's what good teams do. St. Cloud would fight back, though. Less than a minute remaining in this one. Laura Zimmerman, Clara Hamlerova found Taylor Lind with the extra attacker for her fifth of the season. How about this for net front presence and hand-eye coordination? Off. Emma Gentry gets this puck up to Himlerova, who she takes it from her backhand to her forehand. Doesn't get through initially, but Laura Zimmerman does a good job of just kind of whacking at it with Taylor Lind taking the eyes away of Teeley and finds a way to beat her on her forehand. Special teams marker on Jennifer Gardner's tripping minor with 18.47 gone in period number three, but that's all St. Cloud could muster, making it a one-goal contest. All in all, Nick, I would say a fairly good showing for this women's hockey team. I mean, you take on the number one team in the country. You're the only team in WCHA play to get it done against this group all season, like you really mentioned. I mean, it's a tough task, and I think that St. Cloud, um, it's unfortunate that this effort level showed up this weekend as opposed to the two previous weekends because i think we're talking about a different story we're talking about a team that would instead be probably 17 8 and 1 on the season uh, as mm-hmm. as opposed to where they're at right now at 15 10 and 1 uh, but nonetheless uh, you've got wisconsin coming up on the road before taking on Minnesota for a weekend, Duluth and then Bemidji State. It doesn't get any easier. I think this was a good building block for the Huskies to at least feel all right about their effort. Clara Himlerova still pacing the team uh, with 22 points and 14 assists, respectively. Katie Kaufman has 12 helpers. Uh, and also, uh, we do have a tie right now for goals scored this season. I imagine this might change just because of where Himlerova is at right now. Both her and Emma Gentry now with eight goals, respectively, on the year. And 
To be fair, it didn't hurt the Huskies in the pairwise. They're sitting in the same spot right now at 10, right ahead of UConn, right behind Duluth, which is not a bad spot to be. Uh, if you're talking about other games, by the way, in the WCHA that are going on this upcoming weekend, uh, St. Thomas travels to Minnesota, uh, at least on that Yep, Friday and Saturday. And then it's a Saturday-Sunday matchup for the Huskies, by the way. So they play actually, the, our, our bug is wrong, and they're actually listed as the third and fourth Um that uh, St. Cloud will end up traveling to Wisconsin, and then Duluth will host Mankato um, Friday and Saturday as well. So a lot of really great hockey coming up. But Nick, as we take a look at the WCHA standings, Ohio State, 55 points in first, Wisconsin with 49, Minnesota with 44, St. Cloud with 32. They still retain a three-point lead over Duluth. A big weekend for the Badgers helps St. Cloud. Now you hope that they can do it again against the aforementioned Wisconsin Badgers. Mankato at 13 points, Bemidji State at 10, and St. Thomas pulling up the rear at 8. But, uh, Nick, again, what do you make of this weekend for the women's hockey program, and how do they prepare for a team in Wisconsin that historically they've played pretty well, especially when they've been on the road uh, in the cheese state, so to speak, heading on the road? Well, I think you can take away one big thing, and that is Friday's first 20 minutes. Um, I think if you're ready to weather the storm, which they were in night number two, uh, Brian Adolski had mentioned that in the post-game press conference, um, you give yourself a chance, right? Um, and I think that's what you take away from this, is that you play the number one team in the country right now better than anybody else has all season. Granted, you have one win to show for it. Again, couple of posts on this weekend's Friday matchup. You may have had a tie forced overtime. You never know what can happen, right? Um, so you have to take a look at the positives, right? And that is defensively still pretty good. Again, you're holding a team that averages over five goals a game, and you kept them down below that both nights. Um, you're the only team also that has been able to find more than two goals a night against this squad. Um, that's something to you know to hang your hat on. Yeah. And uh, Wisconsin, you know. They're a skillful team. They're maybe not as, shall we say, gritty as Ohio State is, but they play a similar style, right? They're very forecheck-minded. They're very up, moving the puck north. They want to be able to get in your own zone and wear you down defensively. Um, so you have to take what you did well, which you did for five out of the six periods, and you just have to build on that, um, and you have to believe that you can do it. Um, St. Cloud is in a spot now where... You know, over the next couple of weekends, Duluth is going to start to face some of the teams that St. Cloud split on when maybe they should have had two wins, right? So yep. that three-point cushion, unfortunately, is not enough if you're looking for home ice. Um, so if you can get one from Wisconsin, great. If you can get two, even better. But I think it's okay to say that, I, you know, the expectation now is you should be able to push Wisconsin to get at least a win, even if it's in Wisconsin. I think they can do it. They show that they are up to the task question is can they build off of a weekend after a weekend set of uh, performances against top 10 top teams in the country this will be a big measuring block for St. Cloud I think they can do it I think they know they can question is can they go out and actually execute yeah and you talk about it the schedule coming up Wisconsin of course and then Minnesota that Gophers team is beatable this year I they are beatable they're very now St. Cloud needs I I would say St. Cloud um between Wisconsin and the Gophers they need to take one if at least not two. I think they're capable yep. of taking at least being 500. 
Um, that Gophers team, they could sweep the Gophers, which is a wild phrase to, to speak from when we first started right. doing this show four years ago. But um, And then Duluth, that's a primo matchup. You have to be at yep. least 500 in that matchup if you want to retain a home ice spot in the WCHA. That's that's the biggest weekend of the year, unless everything does go awry and Duluth starts to go on a tear, which, like you said, high possibility depending on uh, their matchups. And then Bemidji State, again, you don't want to hit the final week of the regular season. One, leaving anything in doubt. But number two, if you are in a position where there could be some doubt if you don't play well, yeah, you got to take care of business there. Uh, unfortunately, was not done in the month of January. Has to be done uh, in the month of in the month of February. So, and one uh, thing to know as we're looking at this, seven of eight on the road. Yep. Yeah, that's, so. that, that's a big test uh, for this team. Yep. So, But nonetheless, they play like they did this weekend. They will give anybody a good run for their money. And if they can build, they can learn from it, and they continue to grow. Uh, I think it'll be uh, a good, fun ride to the finish as uh, this team is a group that, regardless, has a chance for the first time in probably over a decade, maybe a decade and a half, to do some damage in the WCHA playoffs. And maybe they could be a bid, an at-large bid, so to speak, for the NCAA tournament, which is an awesome phrase to say for this group. It is. If you think about it, Noah, I think if you do get 204 from both Minnesota and Wisconsin, yeah, I don't want to say you've sealed that, but you're pretty darn close to get yourself there. I really do think that you do. Um, you don't want to look at it that way, but because you're right there in the bubble, right? Yep. But I do feel like just based on, again, WCHA, that top five or in the top 10, you know, they're all right there. Um, I think you have put yourself in a position where, if you, again, if you can get two or four from those next two matchups, teams that are ranked ahead of you, I think it'd be pretty tough, keyword tough, to take them out of an at-large bid. I'm not a uh, person of the NCAA committee. We've seen <clears throat> Alaska um, get screwed over before. So, but, you know. Um, I, I think that they would make themselves a pretty nice resume case to be an at-large bid if they were able to take a couple of games of the next four. Yeah, who would have thunk winning hockey games helps? Um, but I know, right? <laughs> no, nonetheless, by the way, if you're paying attention, one last caveat here, as you mentioned, the final eight games for the Huskies coming up on the docket, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Duluth, and Bemidji, we talked about it. Uh, we said this could be... The first team to 20 wins, they would need five of eight in order to make that happen. Also, we talk about how important the past couple of weeks could have been as well. I predicted them to have 20 on the nose. Nick predicted them to have 21, which means they have to win six of their next eight. Yeah. That, that's a tough task. Um, yeah, it's tough. But also, potentially not out of the question, if this team can get hot at the right time, you move into February and March, uh, yeah, things could be pretty interesting. So uh, the graphic is wrong. It's actually February 3rd and 4th. They travel to Wisconsin. Men's team on the other side at 11-8-5 on the season. They will play the normal Friday-Saturday matchup at Ed Robeson Arena against Colorado College. Uh, should be a good one next week. I will be flying solo next week, so uh, keep that in mind as well. We had some scheduling conflicts that we just couldn't avoid, but then back uh, we will still have a show next week we'll still have some recaps for you and then back in two weeks uh nick will be joining myself and we will be ready for episode 198 at that time for the aforementioned nick maxson and myself noah grant we will see you soon in the den Fires and she scores!
Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.